School PR professionals spend a week or two each year networking, if they're lucky. We pour into this professional development and the conversations drive us in our work. Collaboration is one of the best parts of our job, but then we go back to our daily work and the buzz of bright conversations and innovation starts to wear off. Welcome to School PR Happy Hour. We seek to create a shared space of collaboration and an opportunity to continue those conversations long after the closing sessions of our state and national conferences. We are a community, a community of communicators that lean on each other in hard times and learn from each other regularly. This podcast is about just that, getting to know each other better and sharing our passions about furthering education one story at a time. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of School PR Happy Hour. Now, I told you the last episode we were on hiatus and we were taking some time off to spend time with our families, but you didn't really think that we would sign off completely with all the drastic, crazy things going on online with social media. Today, I'm excited to bring in three school PR professionals from across the country to have a real talk about Twitter and the changes that we're seeing there. We hope that you'll leave this conversation with some questions to ask yourself about Twitter and if it's the appropriate spot for your school district. While everybody on this panel will tell you we do not know the answer for your specific school, we hope that we give you the tools to look at it strategically to see if it is something to continue. So get out your notebooks, sit back and relax. (laughs) I don't know if you can really relax right now with social media, but I hope you enjoy this Twitter panel we have for you today here on School PR Happy Hour. Thank you for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Jill from Class Intercom, and we're honored to once again be the official sponsor of School PR Happy Hour. I spent 30 years in education as a teacher and administrator, so I know the challenges schools face when it comes to social media. Class Intercom makes approvals, moderation, reporting, and archiving easy. With our support, schools and districts are able to champion student voice and tell impactful stories that engage their communities. To learn more, contact Jill at classintercom.com or visit classintercom.com. Well, it is fun to uh, be on this this call today and just seeing everybody's face. This first time I think the four of us have been in the same room. I'm doing air quotes since probably uh, the last inspire I was at, which was Washington, D.C. So it's exciting. I'm happy. I'm excited to be here today and talk a little bit about the changes at Twitter and kind of what we've looked at. And we have a great panel that we've brought together today for today's episode. I'm going to go ahead and introduce them. We're going to get right into it because who knows how long this discussion could go on. So uh, first up, I would like to introduce from CISO Communications, my friend, Nicole Kirby, APR. What's up, Nicole? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's it's a busy week heading into the holidays, but I'm excited that we're taking some time to uh, to do this and have this conversation. So it's going to be good. Absolutely. All right, and then we also have Inspra's professional development and member engagement manager Melissa McConnell, and just my friend Melissa. How are you? <laughs> Absolutely. How are you doing, Justin? <laughs> I'm doing good. And then fresh off his birthday. And here today to talk to us is Arlington Public Schools in Arlington, Virginia, the Communications Coordinator for Media Relations and Online Strategies, Andrew Robinson. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is my first podcast post 30. So here we go. Oh, (laughs) it's a new world after 30. Let me tell you. Right. Absolutely. So what I'm looking forward to is obviously there are some changes going on and we're looking specifically at Twitter today because it's the hot topic that's going on. So what I want to do is just go through a couple topics that we talked about pre-show, kind of get your your thoughts. And like, I'm just going to 
ask a question, throw it out, and then let y'all have a discussion. And then when I see spots, I'll redirect if we need to. But um, for Nicole, the main when we were talking before in our Twitter group that we will discuss later, we talked about how you were an early adopter and that you saw the need and, and a good use of social media and school PR. So talk to me a little bit about those early days and like when you talked to Inspira and said, hey, maybe we need a blog, maybe we need to dive into Twitter and Facebook. So what did that look like in the early ages? That was a weird word way of putting it, <laughs> the early ages of social media. Well, back when I was Andrew's age, <laughs> I was, um, you know, I got involved with social media personally, uh, much to the fear of my superintendent at the time uh, in the mid 2000s. And um, that was also when I was joining the Ensfer board the first time. And they thought I was this young pup and what was the social media thing I was talking about. But the thing that was really becoming clear was that was concurrent with the decline of journalism. So all of the local papers who were covering us were their news coverage of the schools was declining and declining and declining as they were cutting newspaper staff and the, even the TV stations were losing staff and losing coverage. And we learned that some of the tools that we had used to tell the story of our school district were going away and we needed to find a way to break our own news about our school districts more and more. And this was really an opportunity to take these new tools and start to use them for our school districts. So sometime in the mid 2000s, I wanna say around 2009, um, I went to my superintendent and I said, I want to start a Facebook page for the Park Hill School District. And to his credit, he went, let's do it. And so we were one of the first around, um, but there were a lot of others starting then too. And um, I talked to the folks at Inspire at the time and said, you know, we really need to be helping lead this conversation about how can people use this tool? Uh, how does it work? How does it benefit school PR? What are the best practices? So we started a blog and I kind of moderated that blog for Inspra. Um, and we had a few people who were really good at using this tool help contribute to that at the time. And that kind of filled a need for a while until it just became more of an expectation that this is one of the tools that you use when you're in school PR, which took several years. Well, and I know in my early school years, we had the district I taught in, we had a Facebook page pretty early too, compared to uh, some of the districts around us. Cause we did have our communications department was very involved in Inspire at that time as well. And they kind of followed the lead of what they were seeing. And then the first time that someone came on with a negative comment that involved other than just like, it was about the superintendent. It was shut down. Like I'm talking oh. with like, Within a month and a half, he's like, never mind. This was the worst idea we've ever had. They talked about my wife and it was shut down. And we, we, they did not have one for another three and a half to four years. And they were actually one of the last districts in the area to do something um, on Facebook and move that direction. So as we, as we fast forward, obviously from, you know, 2009 to 2022, almost 2023, social media has exploded, multiple platforms. We've seen Instagram, we've seen Twitter, we've seen Facebook, TikTok. I'm going to forget half of them. Be real if that's, if that counts. Um, but we've got all these, all these different platforms that everybody's rushing to, 
to be the first there, to be the influencer, to be the first adopter, to be, you know, someone who gets in, gets their leg in first. But at the same time, the tried and true ones that we've stuck with the entire time, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, for the most part, we're seeing some changes there and their cause, you know, whether it's political, whether it's division, whether it's just beliefs, whether it's censorship or not censorship or free speech or not free speech. I'm just curious what, from from your standpoint, each of you, what your thoughts on the current state of social media is. So where do you think social media is today compared to when you dove in, Melissa? Wow. Oh, Today, I, th I think a lot, you hit on a lot of what's different about it, but I also think it's the technology itself is it seems to be changing faster than we can keep up with what's happening on it to know how to use it effectively. That we, you know, it, people have a tendency, you get set in your ways saying, okay, this is how we did it. This is how I always did it. So when you log on and something looks different or something acts differently than you thought it would, are you really going back and looking at you know your process of why you're there in the first place and revisit that on is is it still meeting our need on where our audience is and who we need to be talking to um is it worth me getting some training so i'm up to speed on what these changes are before i decide to move forward and for three out of the four people on this panel um we're not in districts on an everyday basis anymore um, so we're not seeing what life, I, I log in, like I said earlier, I log into an account for five minutes a day and I'm out and I can go into my personal account and read about baseball and basketball and barbecue. But um, <laughs> on a school account, it's a little different. Andrew, you're, uh, you know, you're in the district every day. You're managing those social media accounts. From your standpoint, what does social media look like in the district life right now? Yeah, I mean, that, that's such an interesting question because I, I personally myself haven't seen um, really any changes, especially on Twitter, when we look at everything that's happening on Twitter. And I think the reason for that is because, you know, we choose to follow pages who are, you know, other uh, educators or, you know, we have 42 schools and uh, programs that so we're following those pages you know, maybe some more notable accounts. So we're not really seeing the encroachment of some of that hate speech and um, divisiveness that, you know, is, is becoming more widespread on Twitter and it's happening. I mean, I was reading a study that, you know, said that after, um, you know, the transition to the new owner on Twitter, you know, that anti-Semitic posts went up 61%. So it's there, you know, the studies are out and they're showing that, you know, these types of, uh, you know, this type of hate speech is increasing. But again, I think it's all on, you know, how you utilize the platform and who you choose to follow and interact with. So none of our schools currently, as of this recording, have decided to, you know, leave the platform. You know, we're still there. Um, and it, it's really not just Twitter that's changing either. I mean, over at Facebook and its parent company, Meta, there's been a lot of changes as well. Um, that are coming up, you know, a lot of staff that have been um, cut there as well. So we kind of have to wait out and see what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, right now, while, you know, the picture isn't painted too dire for, I don't think schools on Twitter specifically, I guess that could change in an instant, right? We don't know what's going to happen from, from day to day, but currently at this point, it's not. Um, and, but I did find one school district actually in Illinois who posted um, just last week, that they will no longer be active on Twitter. So they did uh, make the decision for their school district 
um, to, you know, completely, um, the, the, their account's still there. They just, they posted a graphic that says, you know, given the recent events that their platform will uh, no longer, it no longer aligns with the organizational values and commitments. So they've decided to cut, you know, pull the cord. Well, you made an interesting point in there that we were going to talk about towards the end of the show, but I'm going to move it up to right here that, you know, today, what we think is the right answer today for Twitter may not be the right answer in three weeks, may not be in 60 days, 90 days. Um, I don't know if you've seen just what came out last night, even that there's a possibility of taking Twitter from, I think, 280 characters to 4,000 characters. Um, that changes not only just Twitter as a whole, that changes our jobs as a whole. Now we, I mean, it's, it, now it's a newspaper. I mean, it's a, it's a short newspaper article. So as you are, as we're diving into some of these guiding questions and some of these things that we've kind of thought about would be good topics to think about in Twitter, um, I would, I would encourage everybody to remember that what your answer is today may not be your answer in 90 days and to constantly come back and reassess and relook at these things. And, you know, Melissa, I know we've, um, I've seen it on Twitter. I've talked to you about it in, in multiple times, but, um, ever since you joined the Inspra team, you've really been working an effort on verification and, and some of those clone accounts and cleaning it up a little bit. So we can actually be the trusted source that people are getting their information from, as opposed to a clone account. So why don't you talk to me a little bit about, what you were working on up until all the changes started and then kind of if there's an sure. update or anything like that since you know everything hit the fan feel free yes <laughs> so since um probably early summer of 2022 and and at that point i was still working in a district and was a regional vp with the association we um we're meeting with social media companies and with COSIN, which is the Consortium for School Networking, another associ educational association. Those are primarily technology directors from school districts. We've been meeting with the um, representatives from each social media company, kind of, you know, the big seven, six or seven, because you've got Meta, Twitter, Snapchat, um, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, the, to talk about getting school districts verified, whether it be the blue check or a gray check, however they decide to do it, make us elevated to the status of a celebrity, a government organization, or, um, you know, um, a large public, public figure. Um, because a lot of times knowing who the school district is, as we talked about before, is really critical when you want to know what the information you're getting is legit and it is from the source that you that is saying it is. And so getting verification is a first step in that process. So really the first steps with them were awareness. A lot of them didn't realize that school districts were having this issue. Um, so that was a big piece of our first meetings with them. The next step that would come after we want them to kind of give all the school districts a, a verified in some format is we want them to help us report accounts that are hurting and harming kids. You know, it's more prevalent on some platforms than others, but we think they all play a role in helping us protect our students in the best ways that we can. And right now as school districts, I can't count the number of hours. I know I did in my district and I'm sure Andrew does. You're, and it's not just the social media managers and districts, it's also principals, administrators, teachers, all of those people you're treated as individuals rather than a school district when you have to report something. 
and it doesn't carry any weight. And so that was the next part of our conversation with them is, okay, we need a clear path for school districts to be able to report this to a social media company and have it raised to that level of attention where we can get it removed, get it taken down, or just get more information about who the person is who's posting it. Um, a lot of times school districts are reliant on students to bring it to our attention or teachers, they'll sometimes come and show you a screenshot. But when you can create an account as an anonymous person, like you can create a fake name on Twitter or Instagram, any of those, tracking that down becomes difficult. So again, that reporting process would be very helpful. Um, and actually Twitter, since that's the one we're focusing on today, they've actually been the best relationship we've had in these conversations so far. Um, the individuals we are working with at Twitter um, are still there. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> we are already, Enspra and COSIN put out a form to its members saying, if you would like to have your district be verified, fill out this form with some information and kind of the one step that we made sure, so Twitter would have that um, check their self or check ourselves, is we had them put in their federal ID. All school districts, even private um, charter, have some sort of federal ID, and we had them put that on the form as well, so we can document that, yes, they are who they say they are, as more of a checks and balances for them. So when we did that, then the end of October rolled around and Twitter is now under new management. So it kind of left things in limbo and we weren't sure where things were going, but we've still kept that communication open. And I believe today on Twitter, they announced that they have reopened the verification process or the blue check and the gray check mark. And one of the tweets under that said that government organizations would be gray checks. And so we have already emailed our um, contacts at Twitter saying, where do school districts fall on this? What's the status of our verification? And I haven't checked my email in the last hour, but I would expect that we should hear something soon. And we're hopeful that maybe that would be progress for us to, um, to have that moving forward. So that's the good news. <laughs> well, first off, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Like that is a, that is a task in itself as someone who used to, have to watch all the Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts about fights and sleeping in class and everything. It's, it's impossible to get those closed down, but thank you for taking the steps to help uh, districts have a little more control over that. So Andrew in a district, knowing that that's an availability, that that's something that could come up. Um, is that, I mean, obviously it's something that you would want, but what, what do you believe that like, if that if verification and able to, shut down some of these accounts that are false information or harming kids, bullying accounts. Um, what would that look like for your district since you're still in a district on a daily basis? What would that look like? I mean, it would be very helpful. So, um, you know, Arlington um, was definitely an early adopter of the Twitter platform. So we actually are what um, is Twitter is currently calling legacy verified. So we've been a verified account for many, many years. However, I think even above that and what Melissa was alluding to with the reporting features, I think is going to be even more helpful because we do see here, you know, lots of students creating fake accounts and sometimes the, the students aren't even in our division and they're still creating these accounts pretending to be, you know, at Arlington and it's just, it, you know, kind of wreaks havoc across the division or sometimes certain schools which can disrupt the school day. Um, and, you know, beyond that, you know, have police presence on, on our campuses and things like that. So I think it's going to be very helpful to try to 
tamper these down because I'll be very honest with you. I mean, this is the second school district that I've worked in so far in my school PR career. And I just figured that this is something that we would never be able to get a handle on. So definitely kudos to um, Ensper and, and Melissa and everyone who's working to, to make this a reality and for fighting for us even, you know, in these uncertain times, because I think that, you know, this is going to be for the betterment of all of us if we can help ensure that our students' safety is, you know, paramount. Well, as Andrew uh, mentioned earlier, we've you know there's a district in Illinois that's already decided to step away from Twitter. There's obviously celebrities, companies, people all over the world right now are saying, you know, I think I'm done here. Um, and this triggered a conversation in a recent team meeting that we had with our CISO communication strategists and our creative team about Twitter and about, is this where we should be? Is this where schools should be? And Nicole, I'd love for you to chime in on your thoughts on that conversation. It was very interesting. I, I shared with our team that I had to do it in a public place. I had to do it at a coffee shop that day because the internet was down at my house and the person sitting directly next to me did not like what I was saying and got up and moved. So I guess I said something about something that he didn't like and they decided to find a new spot to sit in the restaurant but um, or the coffee shop. But we had, I guess, five or six folks on there and, and we kind of had a really almost a tough conversation at times between the people that were in the group about Twitter and if it's a place school should be. So Nicole, talk to me a little bit about that process. And if you want to kind of dive into some of these questions and we can just kind of discuss where these questions lead and what they mean for districts. Yeah. Yeah. It's always really nice to have a group of people where you can really get into the heart of the matter of things and have the safety to do that. So, uh, you know, it was a really good conversation. Um, but we really kind of ended up on the same page about what the core issues were. One of the things that we agreed on, Melissa mentioned a little earlier, which was that you've really got to be deciding, even before things changed at Twitter, whether or not a platform is right for you. Does it meet your communication goals? Does it target the people you're trying to target with your communications? Is the tone appropriate to what you're trying to accomplish? Um, so we we really got into um, what how do you measure success? Um, a lot of these social media platforms provide you some kind of easy metrics. So um, what's your organic reach? You know, how many people are engaging with this post? And that is tempting to use as a measure of success but it's not really what you're trying to accomplish in your communications. When we are trying to communicate for our schools, it is to make a difference for kids. It, you know, we may be trying to increase enrollment. We may be trying to, uh, you name it, but our measures are internal and reach is a measure of how successful Mark Zuckerberg is. And so we need to really think about um, how are we measuring success and um, whether or not the platform helps us get to our real measure. Does it move the needle for us and what we're really trying to accomplish? Um, Twitter in particular, um, even before anything changed, was a very conversational platform, is a very conversational platform. Um, and so there is an expectation of dialogue uh, back and forth and so it's not just 
for posting information. School districts find that when they post the same kind of content that they post on other platforms, it doesn't do as well on Twitter because people are expecting more of a give and take. And so um, some people just go ahead and do that just to maintain a presence there. Um, so this is maybe an opportunity for people to reevaluate whether that's what they still want to do. Is it still worth maintaining a presence or isn't it? And maybe they want to wait out, as Andrew was saying earlier, maybe we need to see how things go uh, before they make that decision. But um, I will say that my experience has been similar to what Andrew said about the, um, and we had a conversation with our CISO team. Some members of the team's feeds are getting toxic. Some member of the members of, I just follow school PR people and that's pretty much it. Um, unless there's an, it's election night and then I follow the, the uh, political news reporters. And so I find that my feed doesn't get too terribly toxic because I'm really narrowing what I'm looking at. Um, and other people have used it differently and then they're starting to see things encroach that makes it kind of a difficult environment to be a part of. So it kind of depends on what your experience is and how that's affecting schools. One thing that people learned early on with Twitter was that we, um, the people following us don't see what we're seeing. Their feed is different from ours. And so um, that everybody looking at our content is coming to it with a different experience of what their feed looks like. And so that has to factor into that conversation about what does your community expect? And different communities have different appetites for this kind of engagement. So that district in Illinois made a decision. Another district might give you a real hard time if you were to make a decision like that. It depends on your community. And I think one of the things you mentioned in there about it being, you know, conversational and the back and forth that's there, this is one of those moments where you have to stop and say, what is it for my district? Not as a whole, not, let's not talk school PR Twitter as a whole. We're talking the district I'm in right now. One of the districts we work with, they have built a presence on Twitter that basically fuels their entire newsroom. They get all their, like we, we manage it, but we get all of our stories about their district from their staff members knowing the hashtag and, you know, they made a very intentional push to say, Hey, when something cool happens in your classroom, put it on Twitter, put the hashtag, we're going to make sure that everybody sees it. So with that district, when they're just following teachers and classes, again, their feed's going to look very school related. Um, and, but I, I do think that the, the statement you said about the people seeing my, my information is something you need to think about as well, because I don't know what, you know, my wife, when she sees what I tweet, I don't know what the tweet right before my tweet was or the tweet right after. And if those two, you know, who knows what it doom scrolling gets you pretty, pretty frustrated by the time you get to the, to the bottom. And if you're down there at the bottom, it, they may just zip right past it. But I, um, I, the conversation that we had that day, it was, it was, it was a good one just because there was things said like reach, like when, when Liz mm -hmm. Anderson said, Reach is just a sign of how good Zuckerberg or, or Elon Musk are doing. It's just their success metric. I was like, oh, that's that's new. That's different. I hadn't thought of it that route. But, I mean, Andrew, you mentioned that you're not seeing many changes in your feed at all right now. Things are pretty much staying the same. Um, I'm assuming that you will continue down the route of Twitter until you see a reason not to. But um, 
is there something that you think, I mean, obvious if it just got crazy and someone hijacked your account, but what would lead you to have to reassess and really think, is this where we need to be? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, kind of, uh, an extension of, of kind of what I said at the beginning too, because I think, you know, while we're not seeing this stuff personally on our feeds, you know, some of the statistics that are out there are, you know, quite horrible to think that, you know, um, before Elon Musk bought Twitter it was about 1200 posts a day that were, um, you know, uh, uh, saying things that were racist against, you know, particularly black Americans. And then afterward, those went up to almost 4,000 tweets a day. So, I mean, and that uh, information came from the Center for Digital Hate and the Defamation League. So to see that those things are out there, um, it, it's the same thing for gay men. You know, before um, Elon Musk purchased Twitter, it was about 2,500 uh, tweets, you know, hate tweets a day. And that went up to over almost almost 4,000 after he purchased it. So again, it's out there. And I think that, you know, we have to make that conscious decision as school divisions. And we have already had those discussions in my office as well. It's like, do we want to be a part of a group that, you know, we're not subjecting ourselves to that. But like you mentioned, you don't know what the tweet above or below yours is going to be um, when someone else is looking at it, you know, through their app or on their computer or however they're accessing um, Twitter. So I think, um, it, again, it's still too early to tell, um, you know, what exactly we might want to do down the road. But I do think, you know, if, if the trends continue in this direction um, and there is no monitoring for hate, because, you know, I don't think any of us on this call find any place for hate in our lives, um, that, you know, we, we are going to have to evaluate it. And I think the, the really sad thing, at least for my school division, is, you know, Twitter is our most popular platform. So we have over 21,000 followers on our page. It is a place where, you know, mostly other educators and other schools and some families and some folks in the community follow us. So it's going to be, we don't see the same level of engagement on other platforms. Um, so Twitter is kind of our platform. So, you know, that's been a tough discussion to have in the office. Some of us are like, well, we're totally okay, you know, if we get rid of it. And then someone else is like, well, that's, you know, that's the biggest place where we, we reach our audience. And it's, and it goes beyond that too, because, you know, it's a place for other teachers um, to share resources. You know, I know in our school PR community, that's how I met many of you before, you know, we met at an for seminar. It was, you know, on Twitter. And then you get to the seminar and you're like, you know, fangirling or boying because you're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's Melissa. I, you know, I met her first on Twitter. So it's, you know, some of us have really deep connections as well with the platform. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a tough decision. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure there's a right decision quite yet. But I guess, you know, as I mentioned, if, if we keep seeing these trends in the negative direction, um, you know, we will have to, to figure out whether it's the place that we want to be in. And maybe it's something that we, a decision that we won't have to make alone. You know, I think the public perception as that changes, um, it might make it a little bit easier for us to hop off. I'll chime in with something too. I was, I was thinking as both of you were talking, who your audience is on Twitter. I'm just thinking back to when I was in a district my content was completely different because my audience was different. My, our families, that was not our community on Twitter, but it was how the district I was in, it's a suburb of a larger city. We did not get a lot of a news attention, you know? And so getting the word out to news agencies was primarily 
my strategy for being on Twitter. I could tag them in photos. I could get the word out to them um, that it really became how I could get our news out there. Um, because the normal path of reaching them, either with phone calls, emails, pitches, was not working because we were in a very a very competitive market for a smaller district to get above the fray. But when I would tag them on Twitter, like you were talking about, Nicole, you know, your reach, mine would be, okay, it was a change in behavior because I would get phone calls. I would get emails based on that interaction with them on Twitter from my school district account. And so I, it's really interesting to think I don't, I'm not sure how many other districts face this, but that's something to think about and consider is knowing who your audience is and how you make connections to get the word out and to get the good stories out about your school is how you, how would you change your strategy? You know, if things did go crazy, have your plan B ready. If you are going to leave, how else are you going to get the word out there about your school? Um, knowing Twitter is great if there were an emergency or a crisis to get the word out there too. What's your plan B? If you're not going to be there anymore, how else do you need to change other strategies you have in place in your district to be able to communicate and get the word out to the agencies that need to know? I, I think one of the the points that Andrew, you, you touched on when you were talking about um, just the future and what it looks like for your district was um, really led to the final question that we came up with in that, that CISO, um, that, that think tank, I guess we can call it, of, of that hour and a half long conversation was, does Twitter align with your district's core values? And I think that's a question that we need to revisit multiple times throughout the next year, two years as this continues and not just Twitter, it could be Facebook, it could be Instagram, it could be your web service. I don't know. It could be every, you need to make sure that whatever we are using aligns with our district. Because again, if the trends continue, I can tell you that Twitter doesn't align anymore with my personal core values. If it keeps going in that route, um, in the district, you have to look at that as well. So I think, um, and Nicole, if you want to chime in a little bit, we talked a little bit about spending on advertisements and like if you're actually, you know, boosting posts on Twitter, what is that a sign of support for it? Um, but what were your thoughts in that group as we talked about what I really felt like we spent the most time on and really spent the most time digging into was does it align with what your district wants, uses and, and needs? Right. I think that that was really the core of the matter. Um, a lot of school districts have in their core values things like integrity or equity and as we see these stories and the, the statistics that andrew shared bear this out of attacks on those things you have to wonder is this really um, upholding those core values that we say are important to our districts the um we talked about kind of the difference between maintaining a presence on Twitter versus spending money on an ad on Twitter. And for us, that was a real clear dividing line. Um, it's one thing to have your content up there and, you know, keep the uh, equity that you have maintained in that um, account. It's quite another to provide money to an organization that's allowing hate speech. So that was one thing that we, we thought about um, as being the line, at least for us, um, as we conceived of it. Um, but that again, we, we 
put these out as guiding questions. So it's for everyone to determine for themselves and their communities. For us, that seemed to be the line. And usually during the episode, you'll have a, a quick little hit that CISO top tip. Hey, guess what? The CISO top tip of this week is this blog post that we have out. So I'll put the, the link in the show notes. We'll share it all over Twitter and everything. But before we tag out, I would love to start with Melissa and just go down the line here. And if you know, if, if I'm a district and we're having this conversation and I'm, I'm worried about the future of social media or worried about the future of Twitter and if my district should be there, what would your one piece of advice to start with for those districts moving forward from today? It makes me think of the text I sent to you the other day, Nicole, where I'm like, I didn't steal your idea. <laughs> I read your blog post because I actually have another one coming out very similarly for ends for this week. But it's, um, I likened it to sometimes you have to shift gears. So think about the gears on the car and what, where you are in each status. Sometimes you are just going to park and stay put. Sometimes you do need to put it in reverse. You know, sometimes it's just neutral that you're just watching the environment and seeing what's going on. And I kind of go through the, I think it would just be, you know, be alert, keep your environmental scanning going. And whenever you release that, if you'll send me the link, I'll put it into Absolutely. the show notes as well. Cause we want to give out as many resources for this topic as possible. And uh, we'll be happy to share that because the bigger the conversation, the better the outcome for all of us. So Andrew, what would your advice be for a district investigating into Twitter at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, it's very similar. Um, I was reading the um, rationale behind why this district in, in Illinois that I brought up earlier that chose uh, to no longer be active on Twitter. And they encouraged folks to follow them on their Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn platforms. But the funny thing is, you know, we don't necessarily think about this as communicators because we work on all of these platforms. But for some folks, Twitter, what is their only social media platform? So I think as we move forward, we just have to keep in mind, you know, equity and how we and, and inclusion and how we reach all of our families. And if we don't have this as a platform, um, kind of tying in with, you know, what Melissa said at the end is, is, you know, be alert and be looking out there and, you know, um, check to see what other areas or how you could fill that void if the time comes where, you know, we decide that Twitter is no longer for us. How are we still going to reach those uh, families? How are we going to reach those staff members? I know we have a lot of staff who rely on Twitter to find out information. So how um, how we, we fill that void is something to really be cautious of because we can't just all of a sudden alienate one, you know, segment of our audience. It would not be fair to them. Nicole, I made you go last, so now you have to find something new that they didn't say. But if again, question to you as well is if someone comes to you and asks you, hey, what's your thoughts? Do you think we need to look at Twitter? What do you what do you what's your first bit of advice for that person? Two things. The first one is kind of a rehash of something that we've said a few times, which is we're always needing to evaluate whether this is right. Stay on top of this, see if it continues to be right. The second thing I would say is in this time of uncertainty. Explore other options. Start personally trying some of these other options that are popping up as alternatives for this. I just got out of beta, or I just got my invitation to post. So I'm going to see if I uh, what I think of that one. There's other ones out there, um, and you know, you kind of want there to be a critical mass of people who are going there so that the audience is there, but. It, just because it's always been Twitter, Twitter doesn't mean it always will be Twitter. 
And so be ready to be flexible. Be ready to see what the next phase of social media is. Well, friends, I appreciate you you all coming on and chatting with me. This is probably the quickest I've ever pulled an episode together in my career of School PR Happy Hour. Um, Aaron's going to be super proud to know that we came up with this idea on Friday and we are recording on Monday. That is two days later. Um, so I just want to say thank you. all I know it's a busy week. It's the last week here in Texas before the holiday break. Um, so I know it's, it's madness and y'all took some time out of your schedule today. So thank you very much for having this important and thoughtful conversation as we all in school PR try to figure out what the heck is going on. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another episode of school PR happy hour. I want to thank you for tuning into today's special episode on this timely and important topic of the changes we're seeing on social media. I hope that you're leaving today with some questions to ask as you strategically look at what your social media presence looks like from now into the future. And I hope you're reminded that things are changing every day. So what may seem the right answer today may not be the right answer down the line. So continually returning to these questions and asking why are we here, what are we using it for, and what return are we seeing are going to be vital moving forward for school districts across the country. If you need a refresher on the questions or tactics that were discussed in this episode, be sure to check the show notes for a link to both articles mentioned during our recording. One was from the CISO communications team and the other one came from the INSPIR office. I wanna say thank you to Nicole, Melissa, and Andrew for joining me today and having this conversation about this timely topic. And I also wanna thank you for sticking around and listening through the holidays and through the time that you've been with us for the last four seasons. Now go unplug, rest. Don't worry about what's going on on social media. Let's come back refreshed and revived and ready to finish the school year strong. We will see you in January, School PR. And as always, let's go out there and be a little better at our jobs every day.